Okay, we're going to get started. It's my great pleasure to introduce Dr. Hannes Kalschauer. Hannes is a wonderful collaborator of ours and Dr. Megan Sykes. He received his MD degree from the University of Greifswald in Germany in 2005 and began his residency in internal medicine and endocrinology at Bern in Switzerland. From 2000 to 2002, he was a grad student in Bernard Herring's lab at the University of Minnesota, where he studied tolerance approaches to islet transplantation in the NOD maps model. In 2007, he joined as a postdoc in Dr. Megan Sykes' lab at Harvard, and he came to Columbia with Megan in May 2010, and we're very happy to have him here with us. And the topic for his talk today is development of a humanized mouse model for analysis of genetically controlled immunopathology in type 1 diabetes mellitus. Thank you, Robin. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. So as you all As you all know, um, type 1 diabetes is uh, an autoimmune disease that results from the interplay of multigenic, um, hereditary, and poorly defined environmental factors. It leads to a pancreatic beta cell destruction, and that, comes, that leads to absolute insulin deficiency. Type 1 diabetes accounts for about 5 to 15% of all diabetes cases. And it occurs most frequently in persons of northern, northern European descent. Okay, can you still hear me? Okay. So, and there's a huge geographical variation um, of the worldwide incidence with the lowest incident in China and the highest incident in, in Finland at an island of, of Italy. And the differences in the incidence are largely explainable by the prevailing susceptibility genes for type 1 diabetes. But certainly diet and other environmental factors may be important too. So the HLA-encoded type 1 diabetes susceptibility may account for about 50% of the inherited disease risk. And as for many other autoimmune diseases, um, the main association with predisposition to type 1 diabetes is the MHC complex on the chromosome 6. For instance, whereas 45% um, of, of the whites in the US have the HLR DR3 or DR4, almost all diabetic patients have at least one of these class 2 antigens. Other genotypes, including DR1, 8, and 16, are also um, associated with increased susceptibilities. Whereas there are some class 2 molecules that um, have been shown to protect against type 1 diabetes. And there are even stronger associations between particular HLR-DQ genotypes and susceptibility or resistance to develop type 1 diabetes. In contrast to the strong association of class 2 for diabetes, the role of class 1, although as you know, it is a key role in recognition of target cells by cytotoxic T cells, is, is very modest. And the class 1 molecules that are encoded by diabetogenic 
uh, and with C-haplotides in mice and as well as in humans is usually quite common. However, even the common HLA class A2, which is prevalent in about 40% of Caucasians, might contribute to type 1 diabetes, diabetes risk if it's um, in the proper genetic context. Besides the HLA molecules, there's a substantial role for non-HLA, the so-called IDDM susceptibility genes that include immunomodulatory, immunomodulatory genes, for instance, um, cytokines, co-stimulatory and inhibitory molecules. In humans with autoimmune disease, however, the underlying defects that arise from these non-HLA-associated genes are largely undefined. There are currently, um, type 1 diabetes is blessed with, with two very nice animal models that spontaneously develop diabetes. This is the NOD mouse and the biobreeding rat. And these models certainly have given invaluable insights into the disease. And the NOD mice and the humans, they share several susceptibility-related genes. However, they've also led to misconception and erroneous extrapolation, as well as to false expectation in regard to immunotherapy. For instance, there are more than 230 immune intervention therapies in mice that successfully prevent or delay diabetes. However, only very few have clinical significance. So there are certainly um, some significant differences between these models and the human. By definition, a humanized mice or humanized mice are mice that are engrafted with functional human cells or with tissue, or mice that are expressing human transgenes. And these humanized mice, they allow in vivo studies of human cell and tissue function, and they serve as a preclinical bridge between basic research and clinical translation. And there's hope that they may replace non-human primate research, for instance, from HIV studies or vaccination development. And since the description of the athymic newt mice and the discovery of, of the skid mutation, there have been many, many different humanized mice um, models established. And in a recent, um, recent review, they have been separated and grouped in, in two groups. So there's the human PBL skid mice. These mice are engrafted with human PBMC. And they allow predominantly the study of, of mature T cell function. The limitation of this model is that these mice develop GBHD relatively quickly, and they have only um, weak human T cell Im immune responses in vivo. Then there's the model where skid mice get engrafted with hematopoietic stem cells. These, these mice develop human hematopoietic and naive immune systems. However, these mice have predominantly B cells and they also show only weak in vivo immune responses. Then there's one model that um, is after the engraftment of human fetal liver and fetal thymus tissue. And these mice develop human T and B cells. However, they only show low human cell reconstitution. And again, they only have very weak in vivo immune responses. And then there are the transgenic mice. These specific human genes in vivo, and they allow study of certain immune pathways, but again, uh, they don't allow the analysis of the complete human immune system. The aim was it to um, develop a new humanized mouse model 
that allows the full human immune reconstitution from adult CD34 cells, for instance, obtained from a bone marrow aspirate from a um, type 1 diabetic patient. In the clinic, um, most human studies of the immune system in type 1 diabetes, they occur after disease onset. And at that time point, it is impossible to distinguish cause from effects of disease or other, for instance, environmental or diet factors. So we think there's a need for a model that allows the safe, controlled, and prospective analysis of hematopoietic stem cell intrinsic um, immunoregulatory defects that predispose to autoimmunity. And there's a need of a model to allow in vivo studies of immune abnormalities that could help unravel human disease pathways from genes to disease pathogenesis or help identify individuals who are at, at, at risk to develop diabetes or other autoimmune disease. And intervention pathways could possibly be explored with much more translation relevance in, in such a humanized mouse model than can be done in cure and animal models. So our study um, was based on on the humanized mouse model that was developed in our lab a couple of years ago. And the novelty of this model was that it was a combined transplantation of human thymic tissue with the peripheral injection of fetal liver CD34 cells. And these humanized mice, they develop high levels of multilineage human lymphohemopoietic cells. And the advantage of this model is that they not only show these high levels, but they also show strong immune responses, not only in vitro, but also in vivo. So uh, a sublethally irradiated NOD skid mice gets underneath the kidney capsule a fetal thymus liver graft combined. Um, and on the same day, injection of um, C34 cells that were isolated from the same um, liver as the, the, from the same donor as the thymus liver graft underneath the capsule. And this, th this thymus graft underneath the capsule grows markedly over the course of 18 to 20 weeks. At the time of the transplantation, it is um, about one cubic millimeter large. And as you see here, at the time of 18 weeks post-transplantation, it is large so big that it's as big as the, the kidney. This, you can see here in red. This is the thymus, and this is the kidney. And you can see here, it shows the typical um, distribution of double positive thymocytes. The majority is about 56% and 20% CD4 single positive and about 10% CD8 single positive T cells. These thymus liver um, combined with CD34 cells injected mice, they developed significantly higher human cells among PBMC. Um, during the time course of 18 weeks after transplantation. This is in black in comparison to the mouse model that only gets the thymus liver graft underneath the kidney alone. They, they constitute significantly higher with human T cells as well as um, human B cells. And these mice develop largely, uh, significantly or much bigger lymph nodes than the thymus liver um, grafted mice alone. And these lymph nodes contain um, CD45, human CD45 positive, and mostly human CD4 T cells. These mice um, are able to reject 
Sinusenic skin graft within 50 days, whereas the thymus liver grafted mice alone cannot reject the skin graft. And they also show in vitro significantly higher immune response in a proliferation assay towards xenogenic PBMC stimulators as well as allogenic PBMC stimulators. And in a, another paper, it has been shown that these mice can also reject that eyelid, thick eyelid, eyelid graft underneath the kidney capsule. This is the control, just an untreated in the skip mouse. As you can see, um, nice staining for forcing insulin. However, the humanized mice, there's rejection beginning at two weeks after transplantation. There's not much staining for forcing insulin left. And four weeks after transplantation, there are no um, viable eyelids can be seen anymore. In T-cell-depleted mice, um, the eyelids survive, demonstrating that um, T-cells are very important in xenogenic um, rejection. This model was then modified um, to allow in vivo anal analysis of homeostatic expansion of naive human T-cell, for which a model lacked um, so far. So as before, mice get, humanized mice get generated as, as I described before. But also, there was a second group that received fetal liver CD34 cells alone without uh, a fetal thymus graft. So these mice are called non-human mice. And these non-human mice, they lack human T cells, but they have high levels of B cells and APCs in the periphery. So it is possible then to isolate naive CD45-RO negative T cells from these humanized mice at 20 weeks after transplantation and transfer into these mice that have B cells and APC from the same donor but lack the T cells. And these mice, it's impossible to look at homeostatic expansion. And we have shown that in, in mice, they are just as it has been described in in these, human, in, in these mice, that it has been, we described that there are two distinct types of homeostatic proliferation of human T cells, as it has been described in mice. There's a rapidly proliferating um, type and a slowly proliferating type. This is five days after, after transfer. This is 14 days after adoptive transfer. And we could show that. Um, the rapidly proliferating T cell population, if they adopt a memory phenotype, before they downregulate CD45RA and they upregulate CD45RO, can also be shown for the CD8 T cells, they downregulate CD45RA and they upregulate CD45RO, whereas the slowly proliferating T cell population, they retain naive, they keep the CD45RA, CD45RO negative. Um, phenotype. So our hypothesis for our humanized mouse model is that the genetic predisposition, predisposition to type 1 diabetes is associated with T-cell intrinsic abnormalities in the function of regulatory T-cells, in the responses of effector T-cells to regulation, and in T-cell homeostasis. And the idea that there are already hematopoietic stem cell intrinsic defects 
is also supported by the observation that diabetes can be adopted to transfer the translocation of NAD marrow stem cells to lethally and non-lethally irradiated, otherwise diabetes-resistant mice. And in the Philippines, there's actually a case report that there is diabetes transfer via allogenic bone marrow transplantation from diabetic donor cell recipients. It was treated for a malignant um, heart disease received bone marrow cells with type 1 diabetic, and there has been case report that this recipient um, developed diabetes a couple years after the transplantation. There have been several studies in NOD mice and in type 1 diabetes that indicate that um, the defects in T-like numbers and in function. However, these data are a little bit conflicting because um, maybe due to the um, use of CD25 as a mark marker regulatory T-cells in earlier studies. Some recent data found that there is a relative resistance of T-effector cells to regulation in NOD mice and in type 1 diabetic patients. The NOD APC are not affected in stimulating T-rates in vivo. Others have described that there are abnormalities in lipopenia-driven expansion. There's increased apoptosis of peripheral T-cells that result in lipopenia, in IL-22 production, and IL-21 production, and IL-21-driven activation and expansion of T-cells. And studies have described defective activation and cytokine production by NKT cells that have been implicated in disease pathogenesis in a B-mild and diabetes. However, uh, it is unclear whether these defects are genetically programmed in type 1 diabetic patients, and we try to answer this question in, in our model. So the basic experimental design was that we receive, uh, we receive 18 to 20 week old human thymus tissue, the HLA type with thymus tissue, um, and transplanted underneath the kidney capsule and sublethal irradiated NAD skid mice. The skid mice kept in the same day. CD34 cells um, that were aspirated from the bone marrow spread um, of an HLA type diabetic and normal control. And the idea was that the CD34 cells developed the thymus that they share HLA alleles that really exposed to diabetes. However, there are several challenges for this experimental design. First of all, um, the CD34 cells are adult CD34 cells instead of CD34 cells. So we not only have a limited number that we can obtain from the type 1 direct donor, but it also has been shown that these adult CD34 cells in graph not as well in mice as people live at CD34 cells. There are resident human T cells in the thymus that might reject allogenic CD34 cells. So you need to do some form of treatment of the thymus to get rid of this intrathymic T cell. Furthermore, the HLA thymus needs to be HLA type, and this takes time. It can be done within one, one day, so we either need to culture the thymus or we need to try to preserve the thymus. And the fetal thymus tissue needs to express diabetes in relevant HLA caps 2 genes that are matched to the CD34 um, donor. So it would be best to have a fetal thymus tissue bank. I did a number of, of pilot studies among others. I 
zweite Kaiser, die auf die Donau ging, die zweite die Radiation, auf die Feinsberg, just tried um, for the patient and gave untreated hands. This year, I will show you only a few data. First off, um, uh, the oxygonodine, this is a nucleoside called T, nucleoside depletion, um, by accumulation of the oxygonodine triphosphate that crystallizes in uh, uh, DNA spaces. Feedback inhibition has been shown that only um, immature cells of the T centimeters are vulnerable to the oxygonotine toxicity. And in contrast to the lymphoid population, the stoma elements of the thymus may survive the oxygonotine treatment. And this treated empty thymic rudiments, they become recolonized, um, demonstrate that functional viability of the stoma elements after treatment. I did some um, pilot study with mouse fetal thymus. This is the uh, fetal thymus curve of the mouse mutation age 14 to 16. This um, thymus, thymus tissue gets cultured in a six well plate on, on the sponge, like here shown, or has been described seven to ten days. As you can see here, the oxygonazine. Uh, almost completely reduces uh, lymphocytes in the thymus, whereas uh, the thymus gets cultured without the oxygenogenic, you still see the normal fusion of double positive and single positive thymocytes in the thymus. So then, um, the same experiment with human FGSC, get a similar result, however, it seems that especially CD4 single positive thymocytes seem to be a bit more resistant to depletion by the oxygenogenic than um, the mouse thymocytes. Um, we then uh, established four groups of, of NADFX mice that receive either 500 adult um, bone marrow derived fetal process alone, or they receive a thymus graph that was cultured for 21 days with the oxygenogenic, but receive autologous fetal liver derived fetal process. Then two groups that received 500,000 adult fetal process with the thymus graft um, that was cultured either for seven days or for 21 days. So the line in black is the control um, that received uh, thymus culture, uh, a thymus graft that was cultured for 21 days, but um, autologous fetal liver fetal process as we've seen in, in our previous models, starting at six weeks after presentation, we saw good human cell reconstitution by 20 weeks of about 50% among PBMC. So good CD19 reconstitution. And starting at week 14 after transplantation, um, good CD3 T cell reconstitution, which was a little bit slower than what we've seen in our simulated model. Uh, when we cultured the thymus graft that was last seven days and gave adult allergenic seasonal process, we only saw six weeks after transplantation um, some human cells, uh, they were almost not detectable anymore in the following weeks. Interestingly, um, there were T cells coming up early after transplantation, however, they um, 
you link to the deposit transplantation of the post-transplant period, and there was process to the, the synthesis at no time um, Eastern reconstitution suggesting that these T cells seen earlier to synthesis that these are actually these amazon from the Tangestrat that came into the periphery and then rejected the allergenic CD3 process. This is why we don't see any um, P cell reconstitution. Whereas the group that received a Tangestrat that was cultured for 21 days, again we could see good human cell reconstitution as in the fetal liver group we see um, no T-cell reconstitution up until week 20. At week 20, there was about 20% T-cell. So there was kind of a delay um, in comparison to the um, autologous fetal liver group. However, um, we could see good um, T-cell reconstitution in this group, suggesting that T-cells in the Amistad were repeated successfully that allowed um, allergenic pre-T-cells to go through the time The control group that received adult T-cell deposit alone did um, reconstitute human cells and T-cells forever. They did not reconstitute any T-cells, um, suggesting that a time script was necessary in order for these mice to have high levels of T-cell visibility. Reduced 
Bundesstaat. Das tun wir selbst ab
are not inside in the building as much, but I think the, the level of, of 180,000 test and the number is kind of borderline, but it's certainly a better example than Tennessee.
they did not develop libraries, but this is also not really um, the aim of our model. So we, we want to look at defects and defects that may lead to libraries, and not necessarily look at when the author 